0: such a beautiful song, Uh, giving our life to Christ is one of the greatest things that one uh, could ever do in this walk of life, and um, to be able to experience the realness of God. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll find your way to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter one, we'll begin a series of of, uh, messages, messages. that covers the book of Jonah, and so for the next few weeks, uh, this is where we'll be. Um, this is an important Old Testament uh, book. We know it's the story of a prophet by the name of Jonah who was called to preach, and, and uh, he was swallowed up by a great uh, fish, and it was used as a type of death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we know throughout the Gospels that Christ authenticated this story. Uh, this entire account was an actual, factual, historical event uh, that took place. For years, infidels and skeptics have mocked the Bible. Uh, For this account of a man being swallowed up by some great giant fish and and living to tell this tale of this great happening in his life, Uh, they claim that it is an absolute impossibility. Now if you were to define that word absolute, that would mean that there is no question that this is the way it is, that this is perhaps inscribed in stone, that this would not possibly be able to happen. I want to tell you of a story that goes a few years back, 1891. Now, nobody here remembers that year, right? Uh, We wasn't around. Uh, Probably your grandparents wasn't around. But nonetheless, this is an actual factual historical documented story from eighteen ninety one and it goes back to the coast of the Falkland Islands. There you will find a man who was on a whaling um, vessel, and he went by the name of James Bartlett and this gentleman was out on this sea and he fell overboard, and as he was bobbling out in the ocean, he was swallowed whole by a huge whale. Now, a day and a half later, the crew on his boat caught a large whale, and when they began the process of disemboweling this great fish, They saw movement within the the, uh, whale's stomach, and so they cut open the stomach, and guess who was found? James Bartlett. Now, his skin had been bleached white, and his hair was eaten off by the gastric juices of the whale, and he was unconscious, but he was still alive. He was revived and he told of this horrific uh, experience. What had happened to this whaler proves that what the Bible says happened to Jonah was indeed not only accurate but very possible. And so that is to nullify anyone that ever had any doubts that this is not some actual historical event, that this is just a great story, as some skeptics would say. But it happened. An extremely fitting book for us to study in light of the world conditions in which we live today. I would dare say this morning that everyone here in this sanctuary, including this preacher... And those that may listen to this at some point online, at some point in our life, we either were or we are currently a Jonah. So I want to read chapter 1 this morning as we'll look at this and and see maybe where we fit into this storyline and see what we can do um, or what God would have us to do this morning. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse well, number 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah sent out to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid this fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. And then the sailors were afraid, and each cried to his God. And they threw the cargo that was in the ship out into the sea to lighten it. For them, and Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. And the captain came and said to him, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God, and perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said, One to another, come and let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. And so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And They said to him, tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where did you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous." And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, that the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode uh, hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's pray. Lord, how thankful we are this morning to have the ability and the privilege of being in your house to worship you. And God, as we look at this word, we pray that if we are much like a Jonah who has fled from your presence, who has fled from your calling, Lord, that you would convict our hearts to return to you. Lord, we pray that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary, that these dear folk not hear me, God. They would not see me, but they would see you. They would hear you. And God, may we listen to your voice this morning. Save that one that is lost. Convict that one that is backslidden. Call them to repentance, Lord. And Lord, for whatever you do, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. Lord, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So there's about three or four things that I want us to see in these uh, verses uh, this morning. Uh, this is a fascinating story. I, I, this is prob- I, I, I probably say this every week. This is one of my favorite passages, right? Uh, this is one of my favorite uh, minor prophets in the Old Testament, although minor is a, a technical word, I guess you could say. It's not minor in the message that it is giving, but minor in the sense of uh, its length. The book is not very long, um, just three or four uh, four chapters, and so... It's not a large prophecy, but nonetheless, it was uh, a very powerful uh, prophecy. So we see in verses 1 and 2, we see here that there was a call of God extended to the prophet of God to go and save a great city. And God calls his servant uh, here, and, and there is a good reason for this. There was a countdown that has began here for this great city. It was a countdown of wickedness, a countdown of life, a countdown of of prophetic fulfillment here uh, because of the sinfulness of this city. Now, there would be some that would say or pose the question, Is there hope? Is there hope for such a wicked people? Is there a hope for this great city to be redeemed? to have revival, to have or to be saved from the very wrath of God? And the answer to that question is yes. Uh, I am one uh, who will, you will always hear say this, as long as there is breath, there is hope. Uh, there is always hope. As long as we are, are breathing, there is still that hope. And so we see here where uh, this is uh, resting, this hope that this city has for restoration, this hope that this city has for uh, salvation from the very wrath of God. It rests in a man, a prophet nonetheless, by the name of Jonah. And this prophet, instead of with great excitement and and great urgency to go and proclaim the news to these people that, hey, God is about to destroy you unless you repent, this man is relaxing. Just in uh, young people's terminology, he's chilling, right? Just chilling. Jonah, arise. Notice it says there in verse 1, it says, Arise and go at once to Nineveh, that great city, to get moving. God is saying, why are you wasting your time? It is time to have this urgency. There is a message that you need to proclaim, and you must go now, right away. Jonah stands for The sleeping church in this crucial hour. We as a church, I say we, uh, Christian church as a whole, has been uh, so stagnant over the last several years. And we have seemed to, to have fallen by our calling. And we are much like Jonah. We are chilling. And we're just a doormat and we just allow whoever to walk all over us. We don't care. We, we don't want to say nothing for fear of, of, uh, of, uh, offending someone. They may never come back. They, they may get mad. We, we need to, um, vote the preacher out or whatever the case may be. I called one time, a preacher was, I was at a preaching conference and, and he, had made the, he had made the comment, he had preached a very stern message and he said it was a very moving sermon, not moving in the sense of the spirit moving, but a moving in the sense that he had to pack his bags and leave. A very moving sermon indeed. I get the feeling that Jonah probably had that same kind of message. That if he were to go and proclaim, Hey, people of Nineveh, unless you repent, God is about to do some great, horrific things and destroy you. but What does he do? He's just relaxing. A critical hour, a crucial hour. And he's chilling. Nineveh stands for the lost world, tottering on the brink of, of doom and destruction. Is that not society today? Right there at the edge of tipping, right there on the edge of, of uh, destruction, and knowing that uh, that God could come at any time. Verse number three. We see the condition. The condition of Jonah's heart. (laughs) Notice in verse 3 that it says that he went to, uh, Jonah set up out to flee to Tarshish, (laughs) the opposite direction. Rebellious and disobedient. Go to Nineveh, but instead he went to Joppa. Told to go east, but instead he went to west. Do you know a point of departing from God's will? The downward trail of backsliding is so, it's always so that, that either it's the higher ground or it's the downward bound kind of thing. This was what the problem with Jonah had his condition of his heart here. He was rebellious. He was disobedient. He, he, he didn't uh, want to do what God had called him to do. And so he began this downward spiral that would soon catch up with him. God had more trouble getting his servant going and preaching this urgent message than he did getting all of Nineveh to repent. Is that not sad? That God had more trouble with his own prophet than he did for the people to repent. The condition of Jonah's heart. Thirdly, verses 4 through verse 16, the chastening of Jonah. There is nothing that you and I can do um, that doesn't warrant, I should say, chastening at times. When we was growing up as children, um, we did something wrong. What happened? Mom and dad would chasten us, right? Uh, we would. Uh, I, I would dare say, and again, this may be offensive, but I would dare say we need to bring that back into society uh, today. But that's another sermon. For another day all right uh spare the rod and uh hate your child and uh, we certainly see that today i i was in walmart I, I don't want to chase rabbits too much this morning but i will say this i was in walmart the other day and and of course you know students are getting back and back to school and all this kind of stuff's going on and, and this child i don't know maybe six five six years old was acting out all right and i'm talking just at the top of his little lungs that he could possibly yell he was yelling you could literally hear him all over the store could probably hear him outside but nonetheless i was going down the aisle i was like just keep 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 focused don't say nothing just keep going you know because i was like you know he was just two hours down i really wanted to just you know uh but then i got to thinking i was like you know if i did that growing up I would be picking myself up off the floor um, because that's how we were raised. You don't do that. You don't act up in public, and you don't act out in church. You don't do that. That's the society that we have. The Lord chastened Jonah as well. This was a prophet of God. This was his child. And so when we disobey, we can expect um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the consequences of doing so, the storm that we see here that starts to rage, how God is pursuing Jonah. And then we find where Jonah, in his sinful state here, knowing he's running from God on a ship full of sinners, idol worshipers, goes down into the bowels of the ship, makes himself a bed, and goes to sleep. Recurring thing with Jonah, right? (laughs) Just resting, chilling, right? This is what he does. The storm, so the storm begins to rage here. Jonah falls asleep in the storm. There's always purpose in the trials that we face in life. These sailors here, they had a reaction. They began to, to call upon their gods, their false gods. Isn't it interesting? Side note here, if you want to make notes how that God used this situation, even though it brought torment to Jonah, but God turned this situation around and delivered idol worshipers in the midst of it. So we find here where these idol worshipers are, are praying to their God, show us, you know, why is it that the storm is raging? The Bible says that the ship was, was certain to be broken or to, to be uh, sunk. And so they are in fear for their life, and Jonah is sleeping. <laughs> Not a care in this world, running from God. And notice the question that they ask. They ask Jonah, Who are you? And Jonah goes in and tells them, I am this Hebrew, that I am a prophet of God, the God. And I'm fleeing from his presence. And notice the sailor's question, a very searching question. Why has thou done this? Why has thou done this? How can a running, disobedient man say that he is God's man from God's country? He can't. Our disobedience and sin clouds our testimony and it causes our lips to be silent. And so Jonah had nothing else really to say as to why he was doing this. Share a piece of my testimony here. I was dubbed a modern day Jonah several years ago. I was pastoring a church that, I think I've shared this with maybe a couple of you, I was pastoring a church that had, was borderline closing their doors um, when they called me as their pastor, Uh, went there, stayed there seven and a half years as their pastor and uh, the day that I resigned, uh, we had 75 in the church. And uh, the church is still thriving today. They just, they finally finished the building that they was building and uh, nonetheless, I say that seven and a half years I pastored that church and I just on a whim um, without seeking counsel of God uh, decided that I didn't want to pastor no more, didn't want to do it. And so I had resigned, I gave notice, I I called my deacons in, we had a talk, I said, you know, I'm kind of, I'm done with this pastoring thing, I don't feel that this is is my calling in life, I I don't want to do it no more, and I said, here's my resignation, I'll finish out the term, and I left, and I moved all the way, this is Mississippi that I was in at the time, moved all the way to Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati. Now, a southern boy moving to Cincinnati is not the ideal of things to do, all right? But nonetheless, I did it wintertime on top of that, all right? Uh, I had just been released out of the hospital, had a blockage and infection in my right lung that nearly uh, cost me my life. Uh, I was hooked on the ventilator as they was trying to get that fixed up. And anyway, had just been released from the hospital. Made my way to Cincinnati, Ohio. A snowstorm uh, snow came in uh, that year. And of course, you know, me and my Jonah state was chill. You know, this is this is life. You know, I don't have to pastor no more. I'm not having to preach no more. I'm not having to worry about this no more. Three months into that, It was Christmas Eve, 2015. I had a penthouse apartment downtown Cincinnati, Ohio. And I looked across the window, and I saw the skyline of Cincinnati, Ohio. Beautiful skyline, right? Beautiful city. And a song came into my heart. I didn't know the words to all of it. I just knew one phrase. I've never been this homesick before. So I went to the piano and I played that, tears flowing from my eyes, just just crying out to God. And I called up a church that I had been pastored. I had pastored the, what I called the big church, and then it had a smaller church, um, it, we, it was almost like the Methodist, right? Except we were Baptist. Um, But I had two churches. I had one at 9 o'clock and one at 11. And I called the one, the little small church. Called them up, said, hey, you know, I'm going to be in town this weekend. And I'm going to drop by and see y'all. And they said, oh, good. Because we still don't have a pastor. And you can just come right on back. Went back and pastored that church for another four The same God that was in Mississippi was the same God in Cincinnati, Ohio. The same God that was in Joppa is the same God that was in Nineveh. God chastens his children. Why have you done this? Jonah had no response. He couldn't give a response. His sin had done clouded his mind and his testimony to the point that his lips were silent. And then we find in verses 11 through verse 17 how Jonah got in deep water. (laughs) Literally, right? Got in some deep water. The catching of Jonah. These These idol worshippers said, hey, let's cast lots. It fell on to Jonah. Why have you done this? Let's cast him overboard. Verse 11, what shall we do to you that the sea may be quiet for us? Throw me overboard, he says. They tried to save the ship. Notice that in verse 13. They didn't want to throw Jonah over. They wanted to give him that break you know well he messed up let's give him another chance let's try to row this boat to, to shore maybe once we get to shore everything will be okay but notice the bible says the storm got worse and they cried out heathens <laughs> cried out to god do not let us perish on the account of this man verse 16 then the men feared the lord even more and they offered a sacrifice isn't it something how they had revival before the great revival of Nineveh here Jonah was a sinful disobedient prophet called of God to go one place went the opposite direction God calls a storm God in the midst of his disobedience caused these sailors to be saved But it didn't come without a cost, did it? Jonah was cast overboard. The people, the, the people of the ship prayed and repented to God, offered a sacrifice that, that's showing dedication to God. Verse 17 The Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights can you imagine <laughs> and we'll look at this in chapter 2 next week can you imagine what Jonah must have been thinking if you ever fished I used to fish and I remember the smell of fish <laughs> it's a smell that's very distinct right uh, especially if you're out in uh, on the lake and you got a bunch of fish and those fish maybe are dying you know Can you imagine for three days being in the belly of an animal that eats fish and seaweed and all that other yummy stuff, right? Three days, three nights. God would go to any length to get Jonah right because he had a job for him to do. Whatever it cost. God was going to do it. Whatever it takes to get his attention, God's going to do it. Can I say to you this morning, those that may be listening, those here this morning, God will go to any length to get you where you need to be. It may be sickness, it may be famine. It may be death, but he will do what he's got to do. The countdown continues. What is the condition of your heart this morning? Are you where you need to be? Jonah was brought to the very place of prayer. What must God bring into your life to bring himself and his will to your knowledge, and for you to surrender to that. If you need to do that this morning, as we'll extend a hymn of invitation, this is your opportunity to come and do whatever it is that you need to do with God. Maybe it's simply to pray for someone else. Maybe you have that that lost loved one, that lost friend, and you know they're running from God. This is your opportunity pray for them. Maybe you are not where you need to be with God. This is your opportunity as well. Will you come?